0: I never in my life anticipated that that sentence would have to come out of my yeah. mouth, that I would have to teach another human being that you can't eat a light bulb. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I think another thing is on that perspective of like, they have to learn and they have to improve. Yeah. And that that goes on forever. Yeah. Our philosophy and the way we run Brio and the way our marriage is and then something we want to impart into our kids is continuous improvement. Right. And I think I've probably said this on a podcast before, but I think one of the worst possible things you could tell a kid is you're perfect just the way you are. Yeah. Because you know who's perfect just the way they are? Nobody. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Brio in the Closet podcast. The Brio in the Closet podcast again. (laughs) Until we move out of the closet, maybe we should just call it the Brio in the Closet podcast. Um, So today we thought we would kind of pick up where we left off. So we did an episode on like accumulated wisdom on marriage, Mm -hmm. just sort of like interesting or helpful or sort of philosophical little Quotes or pieces of advice or things that we'd heard and sort of resonated with us. Yeah. Over the years, um, we thought we would do the same thing about parenting. Right. Accumulated wisdom on parenting.
1: No original thoughts whatsoever. <laughs> just stealing other people's stuff. Stealing
0: other people's <laughs> ideas. That's like I would say a pattern of my whole life. <laughs> Every good coaching cue I have, I just stole from another coach that I had the opportunity to learn from. Yeah. You know, marriage wisdom, parenting advice. You just sort of like collecting all these little gems. Mm-hmm. Um, Rarely originating, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any ideas?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to note that, like, by no means are we saying this is the way everybody should parent or mm. anything. This is just like stuff no. that we found interesting that worked for our kids along the way. And mm-hmm. the main thing uh, that everybody needs to remember is that like your kid and your situation is your own, and you need to figure out the best thing that works for you. Mm-hmm. Actually, will, maybe we'll start out by saying this. I remember hearing somebody say the best advice they ever got when they had a baby was don't listen to anybody else's advice, because <laughs> you're, your baby is your own, yeah, and you need yeah. to figure out what works for the two of you, so mm-hmm. taking that into consideration, yeah, here's some wisdom.
0: Yeah. So, we have two kids. We have two kids. Two boys. They are 12 and 6. Yeah. So, that's our particular situation. They're quite far apart in age. Yeah. I was 26 when I had Atlas, and then 32 when I had Dash, so... I was you older. Know. You were older. You're five years older than me. So you were 31. One. And then 36. 36. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. No. Theor- I don't know. I don't How know. does math work? Math Fact, is hard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, since you brought up babies, why don't we just like start with babies? Sure. Because there was a couple of things that I read or people told me early on and I went, oh, and they like put my mind at ease because I feel like the new parent stage with an infant is like so stressful. Yeah. So much advice and so many strong opinions out yeah. there. My God. Um, and I just happened to be having this conversation with one of the new moms in the gym the other day, like breastfeeding, right? Super, ugh, some strong opinions oh, on yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, if you formula feed your infant, they're going to turn into a criminal or like, oh, <laughs> you get all this pressure.
1: <laughs> Science shows.
0: Science shows. <laughs> so there is a lot of research out there that shows that, um, in a variety of different ways of however you want to measure like successful outcomes, whether it's like academically or behaviorally or whatever that breastfed babies that were breastfed will tend to do better Mm -hmm. in life. Um, And so then you feel all this pressure like, Oh my God, I got to do this. Yeah. But then the study that totally put my mind at ease was um, within the same families where one child was breastfed and one happened to be formula fed for whatever reason, the outcomes are the same. Right. So that, it wasn't actually the breastfeeding itself that was setting these kids up for success. It was the type of family that they came from. It was right. the type of parenting where you were willing to put the time in and go the extra effort and, mm-hmm. and you know, like breastfeeding is hard and making it happen. But if for some reason it didn't happen with a second child, that, that loving them the same was actually the thing. Right. So that as long as you love your kid and you're invested in, you know, wanting the best for them, that's really what matters. And you yeah. can ease up on, you know, if your baby takes a bottle and has a bit of formula, like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And 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 I totally was like, oh, okay.
1: (laughs) And I think even as like, as the male, obviously I'm not doing any breastfeeding, but I think being able to like help with that whole process, Mm -hmm. right. Whether it be like breast milk in a bottle or formula or whatever, being able to like take part and feed your baby and, you know, be part Mm -hmm. of that process for the like baby dad bonding. Yeah. And even just taking the burden off the mom. It's like, yeah, whatever you got to do. Yeah. Just make it work. You like know?
0: we did a hybrid of both. Yeah, right? Our kids were breastfed and some formula fed, bottle fed. And I at the time didn't feel bad about that. Yeah. Like I thought it was great for, you know, you to take part of the burden, but also for you to be involved in that process. I think sometimes in the first few months the dads are sort of displaced. Like, what, yeah. what do I do here? What's my role here? And like, yeah, it's great to
1: they make like be part a of it. Bra for dads that has like a full on like milking system. Is that a thing? It's yeah. a serious oh. thing. Yeah. Because apparently some babies will like only take to a a brass, right. They're not going to like take to a bottle or whatever. And so it like kind of tricks the baby into
0: trying to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. I think, um, you know, as much as we get super paranoid and hard on ourselves, you know, people that are invested in wanting to do a good job of being a parent. I'm going to say that I heard this through Bonnie and I hope that that's accurate where I'm attributing it to. And I I feel like she heard it from a social worker in the Mm -hmm. hospital that if you care enough to even question whether you're being a good parent or you feel bad enough, like you're not doing a good enough job, you're already doing a great job. Yeah, <laughs> If you care enough to wonder whether you're messing it up, you're already well ahead of, yeah. you know, lots of other situations out there. And I think probably are, are people that work in emergency medicine or social work or policing would, would know that, that, you know, there's a yeah. lot of really bad situations out there. And that if you care enough to even wonder if you're doing a good job, you're Miles ahead. Yeah, you're, do, you're already doing fine.
1: I think she said, "Do you read to your kids?" Okay, then you're doing a good job. As, <laughs> as long as you like take the time to do anything with your kids, like you're doing okay.
0: Yeah, if you're remotely invested in it. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people that maybe we like stress about it too much, and mm-hmm. we could all just ease up on ourselves. Like, yeah. whatever the manifestation of your version of loving your kids look like, it's it's probably going to be. It's yeah. Probably going to be fine.
1: Yeah.
0: So, different like little quotes or things that we've read over the years, one I always really liked was you're not raising kids, you're raising future adults. Right, And so keeping it from that perspective of you're not trying to, you know, modify child behavior, you're setting them up for success to be a functional
1: adult. Yeah. And we've always treated our kids like people, right? Like mm-hmm. treated them like not grown ups, but you know, um, we try to like talk to them like they're a normal human. We never use the baby voices. We never like, You know, encouraged baby behavior so much as just like, like treating them like we're equal and we're we can have a conversation about stuff and we probably talked about things with them way earlier than (laughs) they they were maybe ready. Yeah, but I think both of our kids are pretty mature and I think that you know they they understand things way way quicker than you think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we always. Talk to them like adults. I used normal vocabulary. I never, here's another beef I have. I never talk about myself in the third person to my kids. Mommy says, don't do that. Mommy says, no. Like, no, I just, I always talk to them the way I would talk to anybody else. I never did a baby talking thing. I don't, that's just like a particular pet peeve. I hate when people do that.
1: Well, I think nobody wants their kid to be at the bar being like, hey, Chad wants you to come home with (laughs) them. So let's just discourage the.
0: The only person that can talk in the third person is Terry Cruz. Terry Crews. he's the only person that does it well.
1: <laughs> Terry loves yogurt. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, there's a few hills I will die on as a parent. And one of them is that my kids have to speak for themselves. Yeah. From the time they could talk, and especially Dash could talk very well very early, mm-hmm. they speak for themselves. If we're in a restaurant, they're going to order themselves. And it's speak at a volume that people can hear you, look people in the eye, and you tell them what you want. I'm not... Talking for you. And even if people are like, oh, how old is he? I would always be like, dash, how old are you? Yeah. And he can answer the question. Like, I don't need to be like some weird adult translator for people. And that's like, our kids being able to effectively communicate um confidently with adults and then when they're an adult with other adults is that's like a hill I will die on.
1: For sure. And I'll say from the opposite side of that, as somebody who worked in the restaurant industry for a long time, help them along with that. You know, don't (laughs) make that poor server stand there for five minutes while your kid is trying to like think about what they want. Like have it planned ahead of time so Mm -hmm. they know what they're getting. And if they're like struggling to say it, be like, you know, whisper to their ear like you want this and like make sure you're helping because again, with Um, And we'll get to this later with not, you know, being an irritating person for other people (laughs) as well. You want to, like, help them with that process, especially early on. Yeah. But, yeah, our kids will order for themselves um, using their strong voice. That's something we picked up from Mm -hmm. Brittany, I think.
0: Yeah, I think Brittany in the gym with... I overheard, thank you, Brittany, I stole it from you, Yeah. Um, with her two girls being like, hey, use your strong voice. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I like that, like, mm-hmm. use your strong voice, speak at a volume, people can hear you, talk confidently, Yeah. look people in the eye, that's a phrase we use all the time now.
1: It's such a positive way to say, you know, that instead of being like, don't mumble or speak up, stop being so quiet or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's a positive way to reinforce using your strong voice. It's perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was great. And then we may as well go into one you just kind of touched on. So it's from Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And I realize people have some opinions mixed, on Jordan Peterson or whatever, <laughs> but this is one I, I liked. Don't let your kids do things that make you dislike them. Yeah. And the point in that chapter in the book is don't let your kids do things that make you dislike them because that makes all adults dislike them. Yeah. And then if your kids are annoying, other adults don't want to spend time with them. Yeah. And other adults have the opportunity to teach your kids things or mentor them or take them under their wing. And, and adults are no different. Like you'll avoid kids that are annoying, but you'll want to spend time with kids that are yep. cool. And so um, that was one where I was like, okay, you know, make our kids tolerable <laughs> as much as possible to other adults. Don't yeah. make them annoying. I think
1: the kids in general can be super annoying oh, and yeah. it's, it's just like, it's going to happen, but you have to just sort of encourage and discourage the types of behavior Ooh. that, you know, you appreciate or dislike, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, one of them for us was always interrupting, right? Like mm. we, we both hate being interrupted and then listening to somebody who's like interrupting or being interrupted or whatever. It's just like such a, it's a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. So it's like hard, shut it down as soon as our kids would interrupt and they're terrible for it. Cause they just, they just don't pay attention. Yep. Like kids in general, just don't pay attention to what's going on around them. So one of us would be right in the middle of a conversation and Atlas or Dash would come up and just start talking. And it's like, nope, like I'm talking right now. Like, give me, wait until I'm done. It's a difficult thing because it takes a thousand Mm -hmm. reminders to stop them from doing it. Yeah. But every time you let yourself be, you know, distracted or interrupted and, you know, let it happen, they're just going to keep doing it.
0: Yeah. If they get the attention they want, they're never going to learn. Yeah. And I think I've said this to our kids, to Atlas especially, like part of the role as a parent is like, from a place of love you're gonna tell them some of the things they need to hear because honestly out in the real world probably for the most part people aren't gonna tell them yeah or if they do it'll be a much more shameful and embarrassing experience so if i'm like i will say to our kids and i might be a bad parent for this like (laughs) you're being annoying that's annoying yeah like you need like you're interrupting me and i'm very annoyed right now you need to stop that yeah where like other adults i don't think would just express that directly like i'm fairly direct with our kids and no kind of mucking around and you know tiptoeing around different things i'll just be like hey that's annoying when you yeah. do that you need to stop yeah you
1: know? the other thing that's super annoying that we shut down hard is screeching
0: oh that's a hill we will die on yeah. also no screeching
1: yeah well basically if one of our kids makes some kind of crazy noise we'll be like whoa 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 do you are <laughs> you bleeding from the eyes right now did you just <laughs> fall off the roof because if you didn't, you don't make that sound like those sounds are exclusively for when you were dying, yeah, or being kidnapped or something, you know <laughs> yeah. And
0: that's like, I even started at one point being like, you don't get to make that noise unless you're bleeding. And then I was like, no, 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 not even like bleeding from the knee. Like you just, you know, tripped on the yeah. sidewalk outside. Not even then you need to be bleeding from the eyes to yeah. make that horrendous screeching sound. Like I'm going to assume something really bad has happened. Yeah. Now Even Dash would be like three and he would be like. Like, oh god, don't make that sound. He'd be like, unless I'm bleeding from the eyes, (laughs) and it'd be like, yes.
1: (laughs) And it starts like from like a baby, right? Like, babies will start with that kind of stuff. And I remember like putting my hand over their mouth and be like, no, like that hurts my ears. Like, we don't do that, you don't make those sounds. And like Mm -hmm. from early on, we started attacking that one because it's just terrible.
0: Mm -hmm. And we have some neighborhood kids that are not (laughs) raised with that same hill to die on. And in this whole thing about, like, how if your kids are annoying, adults don't want them around. Like, we have numerous times, like, kicked them out of our yard because they're making horrendous noises. And from inside the house, I can't handle it. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to leave. Like, you have to get out of my house. Yeah. um,
1: No screeching. No screeching. (laughs)
0: That's definitely (laughs) what. Um, Where do we want to go next? Let's maybe... The natural nature of kids is actually terrible. This was something that I read, and it was like a psychology-oriented thing. Yeah. And it was that people will often think, oh, you, the natural nature of children is so pure and beautiful, and you just have to let them be themselves. And, like, certainly you can screw up a child with trauma and abuse Absolutely. and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But this psychology article was saying, like, no, actually, all the psychology research shows that kids are racist, yep. aggressive, narcissistic, kind of violent, Yep. Um, selfish, selfish. Yeah. Like they we have to socialize them to, to get rid of those qualities, yep. right. Or like socialize those qualities out to teach them to be kind and accepting and sharing and caring and all those kinds of, that's not the yeah. natural nature of children. So if you, this kind of laissez-faire um, parenting style of not, Really teaching them anything, they actually turn out awful. <laughs> yeah, and I went, oh yeah, because I think we kind of have this view of like children are so pure and innocent, and just let them be, and everything will be fine. And you are like, no, you actually have to.
1: I remember when Atlas okay. was little, little, and I don't remember if it was at a playground or when he first went to preschool or something, but this little boy wanted to play with him, and we're like, play with, play with A like, little guy wants to play with you, play with him. And he's like, no. We're like, why not? He's like, I don't like his face, and it was like he was like a little brown boy. And we're like, oh, shit, Atlas has never seen a little brown kid before. Like, this is the first time. And he's like, it's like throwing him off, right? And we're like, hey, well, we need to get a book or something. And so sure enough, we went and got a book about, like, the different races and everybody's fine. And, you know, it's cool. But, yeah, kids are either, like, afraid of what they've never seen or experienced or it just makes them uncomfortable because they're not used to it. So Mm -hmm. you need to, like, teach them not to be like that, right?
0: And then, you know, prepare them to go to preschool and there's kids of all races and colors and all kinds of things. And then, you know, they get into it more. But yeah, you certainly, it's not the default to be like, they're afraid of things that aren't like them. And they're afraid of things that they aren't used to and, you know, things that are different. And you have to teach them to be kind and accepting.
1: And it is amazing all the things you have to teach your kids. Like, you literally (laughs) have to teach them everything. They are so, like... It's hilarious because we say, oh, kids are dumb. It's like, it's not that they're dumb. They're just super inexperienced. They don't know that if you climb on a ladder and reach for something and fall, you're going to hurt yourself, right? Because they've never seen it. They've never experienced it. We've seen that. And so we know like, no, don't go up there. You're going to fall or whatever. Mm -hmm. We had to tell Atlas to stop putting a light bulb in his mouth, you know?
0: That was, I have a distinct memory. You know, there's like certain like core memories that get burned (laughs) into your brain. He would have been like two, maybe And he was trying to bite a light bulb. And I was like, buddy, you can't eat a light bulb. And then I just remember having this moment of being like, I never in my life anticipated that that sentence would have to come out of my mouth. That I would have to teach another human being that you can't eat a light bulb. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, (laughs) none of the parenting books prepared me for this. That yes, don't eat the light bulbs. But they don't know. They don't know anything. No,
1: they know nothing.
0: So I think another thing is... um, on that perspective of like, they have to learn and they have to improve. Yeah. And that that goes on forever. Yeah. Our philosophy and the way we run Brio and the way our marriages and then something we want to impart into our kids is continuous improvement. Right. And I think I've probably said this on a podcast before, but I think one of the worst possible things you could tell a kid is you're perfect just the way you are. Yeah. Because you know who's perfect just the way they are? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. And if you teach them, oh, I don't have to ever improve myself or be better or self-reflect or anything. What a horrible thing to tell a kid.
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's great that a parent is giving the kid support and love and everything. Of course they need that. You need to like love them for who they are and support them and stuff. But you can like, you can tell if your kid is smelly or if your kid, (laughs) um, you know, dresses in sloppy clothes all the time. It's like, you can take those little things and help them like course correct so that yeah. other people aren't, you know, like what the hell is with this kid? You know, he stinks because yeah. the last thing you want to do is just spend your whole life telling your kid they're perfect and have them show up at high school or whatever. And everybody else is like repulsed by your kid. You know, you need to set them up for success with other people as well.
0: And I think that's kind of what we're talking about of telling them maybe the honest truth or hard truth from a, a place of love. Yeah, but like oh, sure. maybe other people aren't really going to, tell you that stuff or if they do it's going to be much more embarrassing for you if somebody else has to do it rather than within you know your family bubble
1: you're going to do it much more gently than other kids are going to do it and because you love them yeah
0: not because you're rejecting them sure kids are assholes like kids are mean (laughs) to each other and
1: so if the first time your smelly kid hears that they're smelly from other kids it's gonna it's not gonna be a polite like hey bud like we need to like shower and maybe start using deodorant (laughs) it's going to be like holy shit you stink (laughs) kids are assholes
0: yeah Uh, they are again with the natural nature of children (laughs) is not great (laughs) yeah um okay so this was one that i got from i i want to say i heard this on a dr phil and i'm almost embarrassed to admit that that's where i got it from but this would like I would have been like 20, like early 20s. And it was, I think, some episode where they were trying to correct this kid that would have wild outbursts in public. Right. Like tantrums. And they were saying basically you need to find what that kid values. And essentially you have to fuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Like you gotta, but it's sort of from the perspective of like you have to figure out what works for your kid. What's right. what's their thing and, and what are you gonna do? So the I always, you know, kept that in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay. So Atlas was like three and mm-hmm. we were at Target. So that tells you how what long ago it was because when Target was still in Canada. Yeah. And he was starting to have a meltdown because I wouldn't buy him some monster truck. He was having a meltdown about a toy that I wouldn't buy him. And so I remembered like, okay, you got to f- like find what they value and, and mess with it. And then you also have to be willing to grossly inconvenience yourself for yep. the sake of course correcting that behavior. So we're in target. He's starting to have a meltdown. Atlas was a collector. Still is a collector. Yep. And he was super obsessed with these Thomas trains and he had dozens of these little trains and yep. he just was so meticulous with them and loved, rearranging he them and he knew all their and- names and he was all about his collection. So he's about to have this meltdown. I stayed calm, wasn't mm-hmm. yelling at him, wasn't upset, kind of crouched down on his level. I was like, hey, if you're going to lose your mind in Target right now, because I won't buy you a toy, we're going to march right out of this store. And when I go home, every one of those Thomas trains is going in timeout in the garage. And I was like, is this what you want to do? And he was like, <laughs> and then, ah! And like freaked out and i was like okay so inconvenience myself we just abandoned ship on the cart yeah i threw him over my shoulder kicking and screaming like fireman carry and we <laughs> marched right out the front door we got home he, every one of those trains went in a big bucket it went in the garage in timeout and he had to earn them back one at a time by doing kind and helpful things yeah so he got them all back eventually but it took him months yeah so every time he helped empty the dishwasher he got to go pick a train back and yep. every time he did something kind for, oh, so but it took him months for sure. Um, and then he never did it again. Yeah. And he would tell you, cause he's still pretty little, you're like Atlas, what happened to all your trains? He'd go, I lost my mind at target. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it would start to happen again, I'd be like, man, do you want all your trains to go back in time out for the next few months? He'd be like, no. And yeah. then he would pull it together. So
1: and we learned early on, like we, we started by trying to put him in timeout and he just didn't care.
0: He likes right? being alone. He didn't yeah. care at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. He didn't care. So we realized that if we put his stuff, his possessions that he valued so much in timeout, that was way more effective. Mm-hmm. And then we tried the same thing with Dash and it didn't work at all. Because Dash <laughs> just like isn't a collector. He just doesn't care.
0: He didn't have stuff that he cared about at all. Yeah. He wasn't about toys or possessions whatsoever. Yeah.
1: So what works with one isn't necessarily going to work for all, but you need to figure out like what's, what's the thing that's going to get them, you know? What's the thing that's going to like impact them so that they, you know, take it seriously and like want to make the change. Mm -hmm.
0: We did. Cause you mentioned timeouts. We did teach both of them um, to use a timeout as like self-regulation that if like, Hey, if you're just like overwhelmed and you're losing your mind and you need like some quiet time to, to collect yourself, like Pat would say, do you need to take a lap? (laughs) (laughs) Do you need to take a lap right now? That it's totally fine to excuse yourself from a situation and go collect yourself and have some quiet time and decompress. Yeah. And so that they would, Um, put themselves in a timeout, not in a punishment or this isn't a rejection of who you are as a person and behavior and get out of my face thing. It was like a, whew, I need a moment. And I would do that when I was losing it. I'm not a super patient person. I would be like, mommy needs a timeout. (laughs) (laughs) And I would go close the bedroom door for five minutes and get myself together. You You
1: needed a timeout so bad you started talking in third person, it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, maybe only if I'm mad do I break my talking about self in the third person rule. I become Terry Cruz
1: <laughs> Terry needs a timeout, some yogurt.
0: He's right about the yogurt, though. I just discovered that yogurt is delicious. Yeah, I'd gone all these years and didn't know. Should have listened to Terry.
1: Be like the full of, the full mm. fat and sweetened stuff with a little bit of a yeah. little bit of the kids smoothie yeah. on top.
0: That's super good. We'll do an episode on that. Things I learned way too late that are actually delicious. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> Coffee, sour cream, also delicious. Didn't yep. know till I was almost forty.
1: <laughs> Getting sidetracked. Back to kids. <laughs>
0: um. Okay, so then, since we're talking about what worked with Atlas but didn't work with Dash, yeah, something that did eventually work with Dash. Anybody that knew has known Dash since he was born. He's a he's a character. He's a character <laughs> and mm, a tough kid.
1: He's stubborn.
0: He, such a sweet boy. Yeah. So cute and so sweet. Not a tantrumy kid, but just that dude does whatever the F he wants. Yeah. Aggressively. Yeah. Since he was very little. And it was so stressful to have him as a toddler. Yeah. Because he's also quite smart. And it got to the point where I couldn't stay a step ahead of him of what he was going to do and what fork he was going to stick in the light socket and stuff so it was like oh some stressful years for sure yeah and i admittedly yelled at him way more than i am proud to admit Mm -hmm. and it got to the point that it just didn't work it was just me venting my frustration and it wasn't effective and of course, who likes getting yelled at? Nobody. Yep. So he would just tune me out. So then he just wouldn't listen Well that was what, all.
1: That's what was funny was if you would yell at Atlas, he would like, that would destroy him. He would. He was, take, very he sensitive. was very sensitive. And like, you couldn't yell at him just because it, was, it was so bad. And then Dash would just kind of look at you and just be like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just didn't care. It just did not enter his brain. You know, mm-hmm. he would just tune you out tune completely. You out big time.
0: And so... But he did have some, he does have some very good characteristics. Yeah. He's very, when he wanted to be, he could be very kind, very caring and very helpful. And he yeah. liked being helpful. He liked the opportunities to express those things. And so eventually we started focusing on those things and called them his superpowers. Yeah. And tried to really emphasize the positive things. So instead of negative reinforcement, we went positive mm-hmm. and I tried to emphasize that like kindness and caring is a superpower because I was like, you can change the way someone feels. I was like, when you do something kind, you put a feeling in someone that makes them happy. I was like, that's a superpower as close as we're ever gonna get. yeah, and so we tried to really like hammer in on those things as part of who he was as a person. and then if he would do something like hit his brother or something you know aggressive or mean or whatever, we would go, no, 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 that's not who you are, yeah you're kind, caring and helpful. You don't hurt your brother. Mm -hmm. And so we would separate all of the like sort of undesirable behavior to to be inconsistent with his identity. And we started talking about it from that perspective, focusing on who he was as a person and his superpowers. And then if he did things that were inconsistent, then we would go almost more like acting confused. Mm -hmm. That's not who you are. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's not, you know? Yeah. And that finally clicked for him. And he really like rose to the occasion of being, oh then he got really into like doing helpful things on his own and he like that kid's love language as gifts for sure (laughs) you know he (laughs) loves like making crafts and giving things to people and you know that finally turned a corner for us with him but man he was a tough kid to figure out for a a lot of years
1: he was a tough one for sure
0: he's so darn cute (laughs) (laughs) um where do you want to go next
1: Um, I guess like that's a lot of the like little kid stuff, but now it's like, you know, Atlas is 12. So we're starting to have to deal with some more like older kids stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the like main things that we're trying to instill in, in Atlas, especially as he ages and starts having more freedom and more responsibility is we want it to be that should anything go wrong, if anything bad happens, it's not. I can't let my dad find out it's I need to tell my dad. I need to talk to my parents, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I was mostly unsupervised for <laughs> most of my life and I did some stupid things. But it was always like I would it was always worse because I would try to hide it and never ask for help. And then, you know, I try to tell Atlas, like, you're gonna get in trouble if you do something bad, right? You're gonna you're not we're not just gonna be like, Oh, cool. Yeah, you broke the car. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. We're gonna you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna have to deal with it. But at least we're there to help you deal with it if you talk to us, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just try to hide it from us, you're going to get in trouble regardless because you did something bad. But then you're also going to get in trouble for lying to us or for, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to hide it from us. Like, that's way worse, you know? So as part of, like, building trust, it's like you need to be able to talk to us about anything. So that's a... That's a big one for Atlas and he's a super responsible guy. I think mm-hmm. he'll always be okay with that. We'll see how it goes with Dash. That <laughs> one. Yeah.
0: I think that was something that we had read on like some thread on Reddit. I yeah. think was where that came from was it was just some guy talking about when I'm raising my kids, I want them to always feel like if they fucked something up that it's not, oh, I can't let my dad find out. It's, oh, I need to call my dad, Yeah, you know? And I went, oh, that's like a good way to think of it. And that, yeah, you're not going to like excuse all of their behavior, but if they messed up, you're going to help them make it right. Yeah. In whatever needs to happen, yeah. you're going to, that you're on their side.
1: And along those same lines, you've said to Alice before, especially like, it's not even when you're in trouble. It's just like, when you need us, like throw us under the bus. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're over at a friend's sleepover and things are going weird and you just feel uncomfortable or, you know, you're at a party or something and you can tell things are bad. It's like, don't be afraid to be like, Oh, my, my mom just texts me and I need to go home. She's being a real bitch or whatever. It's yeah. like we don't care what your friends think of us, like we'll take the fall if you just yeah. need to get out. I remember reading as well about a like secret text, right? Where mm-hmm. if, if a kid messages a certain emoji, that means like I need you to come and pick me up, or I need I need you to call me or I need whatever. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a SOS kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like a random, like a banana emoji <laughs> <Yeah>. or something <laughs> like, like when, that. Yeah. Right. Which I thought was super smart because yeah. kids you know often know better than what they know what's happening is bad and they need a, a an escape plan but they also don't want to seem like uncool right?
0: right yeah and i'm totally fine with i'll pretend to barge into a party and be like atlas you forgot to empty the dishwasher <laughs> get out of here right now and he would be like oh my mom's such a bitch i guess so i have to go home by you know you're, like, you're
1: 23 and you still have to empty the dishwasher you don't even live there anymore <laughs> turns out this party is actually just really lame. I want to leave. Yeah.
0: Or, you know, if you just, bad things are happening and you need Mm -hmm. an out, but you don't want to look uncool by leaving. Like, I will totally help our kids save face by, like, you can throw me under the bus. I'm 100% fine with that. Yeah. This just popped into my head. It wasn't on our list of things we wrote down. I remember my parents, so I'm an only child and fairly overprotected, I would say. And I remember when I was in high school, they were like, you know, if you're ever in a bad situation and you need a ride home or you're drunk or whatever, you can always call us. And I was like, I remember saying to them like, as if, I was like, <laughs> bullshit, if I called you hammered at two in the morning and needed a ride home, there's no way you would be cool about that. And they were like, okay, fine. Like $20 <laughs> in the kitchen drawer, take a cab anytime yeah. you need to take a cab. <laughs> and so that was what we agreed on was don't get in a car with a drunk driver. Don't drive drunk yourself yeah. ever. But if you don't feel comfortable, you know, calling your parents, if you accidentally have, got a, really have a backup plan, have a have backup something. plan. And yeah. now it's like, you know, when Atlas gets to that age, I was like, we can put the Uber app on his phone yeah. and he can take an Uber from wherever and charge it to us. And that's fine. Yeah. You
1: know? I think it all comes down to like trust. Right. And you know, your, your kids need to trust you and you need to trust your kids. And, and we try to say like, you know, we'll trust you until you give us a reason not to trust you. Mm-hmm. Right. So we start with all the responsibility and they have it until they lose it from, yeah. you know, breaking our trust. But the other side of that is like, I want Atlas to know that I've done some dumb shit as well. (laughs) And so when we're talking about stuff, I often talk about the stupid things that I did when I was a kid and and it helps them learn from my mistakes. It started as early as, you know, telling our kids to look before they cross the street Mm -hmm. by talking about how I got hit by a car and almost died. (laughs) You know, like that's a pretty easy way for them to learn a lesson. Um, You know, we were just talking about Atlas, you know, wanting to go... Play ding dong ditch with his friends or whatever, right? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I've done that before. It's stupid, and it's like, as an adult, I think it's ridiculous, and I don't know why you would bother. But as a kid, it's like if you get this like little adrenaline rush, like okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. I was like, the biggest thing you need to think about is like what's the worst that can happen. It's like if you bother some adults, chances are the worst that's going to happen is you're going to get yelled at, or maybe we get a phone call and you know mm-hmm. we hear that you're just dis- disrupting the neighborhood or whatever. It's like, that's, I mean, it's not great, but it's not horrible. If your friends are jumping off of a hundred foot bridge into four feet of water, it's like, well, the worst that can happen is you could die. Right. And so yeah, just need to evaluate. Like if the worst case scenario happened, am I okay with that? And if you're not, then you don't do it. And if you are sure live a little, you know?
0: Yeah. I think you mentioned it in there, but, um, I trust you until you give me a reason not to, Mm -hmm. I would say would be one of our core tenets of how we parent our kids is, well, work from a default of trust and if you like it and if you like having freedoms and privileges and things don't mess it up don't yeah. give me a reason not to trust you you like to be able to hop on your bike and go ride around the park with your friends cool make sure you're not like doing anything dumb or graffitiing a building yeah. or getting into trouble atlas has a phone now yeah you know since he turned 12 I we have some parental control stuff on it i know the password i could look at it anytime i don't yeah i was like I trust you until you give me a reason not to. Yep. And if I get to the point where I feel like I need to go through your texts or check something or check your internet search history, then you're going to lose the phone. Yep. <laughs> you know? So if you like having it, be responsible. If yep. you like the privileges, they're yours until you give me a reason not to.
1: Yeah. And speaking of phones, that's always a big one with <laughs> modern kids, right? Phones, video games, computers, TV. We live in an era of screens.
0: It's a different world than we grew up it in. It really
1: is. And I think helping them navigate that's always a a tough one. Um, You didn't grow up with video games, really, very much at all. I did. Um, So I think we've always had, like, a slightly different opinion on how it it should go. Because you're often, like, just like, let's just get rid of them altogether. But I, like, valued my video game time. And it was, like, a big part of growing up. And I I don't want it to be a zero thing, right? And for me, it's like, I know that they're going to live in a world with those things. And you have to help them, like, learn to control themselves and navigate it so that when they are on their own, they can make good choices, right? It's like drugs. It's like we don't live in a world without drugs. You can't just be like, zero, none, no, never, whatever. It's like, well, I mean, kids are going to be kids, right? Eventually they're going to make some, they're going to be in some situations where they have to make some decisions. So you need to help teach them how to, like, manage themselves or how to, like, you know, think about things in a safe way. Um, So, like, just the other day, Atlas was spending a lot of time on his phone and not, you know, practicing his piano and not, you know, practicing his drumming and not doing a bunch of other stuff that he's like committed to. And I kind of said like, like you tell me, like how much time have you spent on your piano lately? He's like, mm, not much. <laughs> I'm like, how much time have you spent on your phone? He's like a lot. I'm like, how do you think that is? And you know, I'm like just helping him realize it. I'm not yelling at him. I'm not telling him he's doing anything wrong. I'm just like, pointing out the things that he has to kind of like work his way through.
0: Mm -hmm. Prioritizing time I think is something and I was saying, I wish I could find it. We had made Atlas a little chart when he was maybe like nine or so of like things that you have to spend your time on. Yeah, And there's like basic, I think we had categorized them as like hygiene stuff. You just have to do it. You got to clean your room. You got to have a shower. You got to brush your teeth. Yeah, Those things just have to happen. And then there was like school, it might have been the year that he was homeschooling. So it was like yeah. your school stuff has to get done. You know, these aren't like fun things necessarily, but they just have to get done. Then there's like your extracurricular stuff you've committed to. You know, if we're you said you want to learn piano, we're paying for piano lessons, you're gonna do the thing you said you're gonna do, whatever it is. We haven't we kind of let them pick what they're interested in, but then we'll hold them accountable to to sticking with it. Mm-hmm. And then like healthy body stuff, like eating well and being physically active, working out and being outside and playing and riding your bike and yeah, those ways to spend your time. And then the social stuff, right? Family time, friend time, and that some of those things can overlap. We can spend time together as a family playing outdoors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, we can cook together, make healthy food for our bodies together, you know, like, but that if, (coughs) excuse me, all these buckets are fairly empty and the Nonsense time is very full. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that like, eh, we gotta like tilt this balance. Yeah. A little bit. And also I think it's important to teach them that like some downtime is fine. Totally. You can have a lazy Sunday and lay on the couch for two hours and watch a movie and that like, that's also okay. But like, you can't spend all your time.
1: Like that either. And we'll just try to like help them manage it. Right. Like if, if they've been spending a lot of time on their screens and you can tell they're starting to get squirrely and stuff, we we'll be like, okay, you know what? We're going to take a few days off of the screens. We're going to help you guys rebalance things. Like, let's just make the screens a non-issue for a few days and we'll, like, you know, come back to them in a little while. It's not like, these are in timeout or this is gone. We'll just be like, all right, it's time for a break. Yeah. And so we'll spend a few days without the PlayStation or a few days without TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, helps them with another thing where, We try not to be like the entertainers all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we'll play with our kids for sure. But I don't think that the parents should be playing as much as the kids are playing, right? Like, they need to be able to learn to entertain themselves, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that um, every time they want to play, mom or dad has to play with them. They need to learn how to like keep themselves occupied and busy. So when they're like, I'm bored, like, okay, well, you can go do Lego, you can do constructs, you could color, you could draw.
0: Read a book. You can ride your bike. Give you know, them a, a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah.
1: And if they're like, I don't want to do anything. So, okay, well, the toilets could use a cleaning. And, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I'll go play some Lego, right? So helping them figure out a way to, like, keep themselves busy without the use of a screen I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it shouldn't always fall on us, you know?
0: And I think we got that. I'm pretty sure it was the comedian Tom Papa has a pretty funny bit about... Mm when did the role of the dad become like being a birthday clown? He's like, why do I have to be like entertaining them all the time? He's like, my dad was never like that. So like, that's what we say. Like, it's not my job to like be a party clown for the kids. And it's just another version of passive entertainment for them. If they're not engaging in creatively keeping themselves occupied, it's not much different than a a screen where they don't have to have any imagination or creativity to it either. just passively absorbing entertainment.
1: And I think because we have a, like a kind of weird schedule, we're often home a lot, but we're still working. We're still doing something on the computer, you with your school especially. Mm-hmm. And if they're home from school, and it's like, well, we're normally working on Monday. Like we still have to do those things on Monday. We can't just entertain you all day while you're home from school. So mm-hmm. helping them be independent that way.
0: Yeah. Um, and I've, I think this sort of steps into a few different things. Like you said, sharing some of your own mistakes and troubles mm-hmm. and also demonstrating for them how we self-regulate those things. So if, if I I was showing Atlas the other day, if I have some nonsense stuff on my phone that I recognize is taking up too much of my time and maybe I haven't gotten my homework done on time when I should have, I use something called focus mode on my phone and I'll block that app for like a week. Right. And I'll be like, this isn't just something that we do f- to you guys. This is something you have to do to yourself as an adult. It's never really going to end. You're going to notice like something's creeping in and then here's some tools or, you know, but you have to do it for yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't have another adult being like, no Reddit for you for a week. Yeah. I have to do it to myself. So teaching them that we're just equipping them with the skills and the tools that, that they're going to have to do to themselves. Yeah. Um, I do like to spend slash probably waste <laughs> too much time on Reddit. Yeah. Um, a lot of good cat pictures. <laughs> <on> there. <laughs> there's some nonsense, but there also is some interesting and insightful things on there and i like to peruse there's a few different ones one's called raised by narcissists mm-hmm. that's a lot of stories of people raised by like terrible parents and trying to undo the the baggage yeah one called am i the asshole where people will share stories of conflict situations that they're in and they'll be like kind of who's wrong here am i the asshole <laughs> or is it them and one called just no mil just no mother-in-law so it's like horrible mother-in-law stories yeah so like weird parent Adult child dynamics, and then it interferes with marriages and stuff. And so a lot of that is lessons in how I don't want to be. <laughs> and I've collected lots of interesting experiences and being like, oh wow, like people have some really messed up dysfunctional dynamics in their yeah. parent-child relationships. And one of them, a common theme, especially in the narcissist one, is parents that absolutely cannot ever admit when they're wrong or that yeah. they've made a mistake. They expect their kids to be perfect and apologize if they're not, but they will never admit when they're wrong. And I went, Oh, like that's one of the worst qualities in, in an adult is for someone sure. that can't admit to a mistake or whatever. And so, um, a big thing I try to do is apologize to my kids. Yeah. If I've messed up, if I lost my mind and I yelled at them or I disrespected them or treated them poorly, or yeah. I just made a mistake, maybe I forgot something, you know, that I was responsible for, a, a like something for school or I forgot to put something in their backpack or whatever. Like I will apologize in yep. the same respectful way that I expect them to apologize to me if they've made a mistake. And yeah. like it goes both directions.
1: Yeah. And even if we're, we're just talking about something and Atlas says, Oh, this happened. I'm like, no, it didn't. And he's like, yes, it did. And then you're like, yes, it did. I'll be like, Oh really? Oh, okay. I'm right. I'm wrong. You're right. And yeah. I'll like admit that I'm the one in, in the air. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's so and even the way Atlas will sometimes talk with us when we're, we're trying to like help him develop or whatever, he acts or thinks that we're like just perfect, that we've got it all figured out, we're always right, and we're always like, no, like we make mistakes all the time as well. Like we don't have it all figured out. We've just made a lot more mistakes than you have and learned from them along the way and we're just trying to help you learn from our mistakes. Because mm-hmm. yes, nobody is infallible. Like everybody makes mistakes and if you let your kids think that you're perfect, then, you know, how are you ever going to like help them develop Mm -hmm. to a normal person, you know? Yeah.
0: And I think in terms of you're not raising kids, you're raising future adults. The future adults that I want to have are ones that can admit when they've made a mistake and own up to it and make it better. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a book and I couldn't think of the name of it when we were talking about the marriage one, but the book is mistakes were made, but not by me. Oh yeah. And it's about like, why do humans, why is our psychology have such a brutal time with admitting that we made a mistake when everybody makes mistakes all the time. Like, why is that such a difficult mm-hmm. hurdle? Um, so that's definitely a book worth reading in terms of your, you know, adults or romantic relationships, but with your kids and then trying to make functional <laughs> adults in the future that like, it's totally fine. Just be like, whoops, I was wrong. Sorry.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it's not the end of the world.
1: So along the lines of making mistakes, a way that we do try to spend time with our kids instead of just like playing Legos or whatever is we try to, like, get them to do stuff with us, right? Mm-hmm. You especially like to have the kids come and help you cook and, and that kind of thing. And part of that process is they're going to mess some stuff mm-hmm. up, you know? They're going to make some mistakes. And we read a book... Uh, or we started listening to a book anyways where they talked about like how to incorporate kids into the whole like family dynamic and what jobs they should have and whatever.
0: The book is called Hunt, Gather, Parent. Yeah,
1: and part of that process is letting them screw up along the way so they learn from their mistakes and try not to like get mad at them for it. It's super challenging because (laughs) if you're gonna bring a five-year-old in to do a project with you, it's gonna take four times as long and you're probably gonna mess some stuff up but, like, that's what they need to, like, learn how to, like, start to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they might spill the water. They might, you know, burn the thing. They might do whatever. But it's, like, that's part of the process.
0: Yeah. Another, like, thing that I want my kids to be equipped with when they leave our house is the ability to cook, to know how to make healthy food, basically. And mm-hmm. so I've had them in the kitchen with me as early as possible. But, yes, I, as, like, a sort of perfectionist type person, have to dial back, like, they're gonna mess it up, they're gonna measure things poorly, they're gonna spill everywhere, they're gonna, you know, things are gonna happen and to be like, I have to bear that time or they'll never have these skills. So if I want them to have good skills in the kitchen, I just have to deal with like, this dinner is gonna take two hours to make instead of 30 minutes or it's gonna be a little bit screwed up or whatever and it's fine.
1: And I think the the way the book talked about it was like, the kids are gonna be interested, especially little kids, they're gonna wanna try to do things that are way beyond their abilities, right? Mm -hmm and the book would encourage you to kind of like let them help a little bit but then as soon as it was clear that they were like screwing it up or wrecking things you'd be like okay like good job you tried like you're not quite ready for this one yet we'll try again another time mm-hmm. but for now i need you to go and do this instead and so it's not like you let them like if you're trying to like put a concrete pad down in the backyard <laughs> you don't let them completely ruin the thing and yeah. like mess it all up you let them like help a little bit and then send them on their way to do something else but just letting them like sort of experiment and try was was the big thing
0: mm-hmm. And like, make mistakes, let them yeah. make mistakes. We really try to, I try not to get mad when they make a mistake the first time. Yeah. Go you know, like, okay, like, so they spilled a bunch of water on the floor. Okay. How did that happen? What do you got to do? Grab a towel, clean it up. So they learn how to fix it. I never, as much as possible, I will never fix the mistake for them. Yeah. But so what do you need to do? Go get this thing. You know, I'll help you reach the broom, but you're going to sweep it up the best of your ability. And then what are you going to learn from that? What happened that that happened? So yeah. that- yeah, you don't get to make the same mistake 20 times because now that's just dumb and you're not learning anything. Yeah. But it's okay to try things. It's okay to make mistakes. You have to learn from it and you have to fix it. Yeah. And that, like, making a mistake isn't the end of the world and, like, I suck at this and I have to quit. Yeah. And then I also, is that from, uh, I think it's Jake from Adventure Time, the cartoon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> what it's from. The first step to getting good at something is sucking at something. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they're like, Oh, I suck at this. You're like, Yeah, great. That's the first step to getting good at it. Yeah. You know? And I even like remember Atlas had a little buddy over one time and they were playing basketball or trying to shoot hoops out front. And the little boy is like terrible at it. And he's like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm just not good at basketball. And I was like, perfect. I was like, Guess what? That's the first step to getting good at basketball. And I yeah. tried to really celebrate that he sucked at it. And I was yeah. like, Do you know what's the first step to getting good at something? Sucking at something. So if you suck at it, you're on the right track. You yeah. Know? It's like and he was like, what? And you just looked at me so confused.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. I think that goes along with one of the other like main things we try to teach is that we try to celebrate the efforts, not the outcome. Right. Because like you said, everybody sucks at everything basically when they first start. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so you explain it. Cause you, 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 say it better than I do.
0: Okay, so the, it came from the book by Carol Dweck called Mindset. Yep. And people are probably quite familiar with this by now. Fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Mm. A fixed mindset comes from the perspective of like, like intelligence is just a quality that you have that you're born with. You're just smart. Right. And not something that you could develop or practice or whatever. Whereas a growth mindset views everything as something you can work on to get better and improve at. So one of the things that we kind of learned from the you know 90s, I was like a gifted child and people would be like, Oh, you're so smart. Smart sounds like a quality that you just have that you're just gifted with. You just are born with it. Right. And then, you know, it, it ends up the sort of inadvertently damaging thing that came out of these gifted kids Mm -hmm. was this message that like, um, smart is a quality that you have and part of who you are. And then if you have something that you're not immediately good at, or you make a mistake, or you don't get a good mark on a test that these gifted kids would find it immediately threatening to their identity. And they would go, what if I'm not smart, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of what you're supposed to do is always praise the effort. So if you see a kid that is good at something, and I do this with my own kids and other things, other kids all the time, they're like, look at what I can do. And I always go, wow, you must've been working really hard at that. i yeah. like, wow, I can tell you've been practicing. And you always praise that the only reason they can do that thing is because they've worked at it. Yeah. Not like, oh, you're so strong. Wow. I can tell you've really been working out or, oh, you must've really worked at that. Or, mm-hmm. oh, you must've been practicing your piano a lot. That sounds really good. Yeah. So you always praise the effort, not the outcome or the quality.
1: Yeah. The other day when Atlas and I were talking about his you know, phone usage versus the amount of time he was spending practicing drums and piano, shortly after that conversation, he had asked me, he's like, do you think I'll ever be famous? And I was like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by famous? And he's like, I don't know. Do you think like, I could be, ever be like a famous drummer or famous whatever, gymnast or something? I'm like, well, I'm like, how much time do you spend on your drums? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, do you know? I'm like, I read Travis Barker, the Blink-182 drummer's book. do you know how much time he used to spend practicing drumming? He's like, no. I'm like, about like five hours a day. Like five hours of his day from like the time he got out of school when he went to school until like bedtime, he was basically drumming. I'm like, how much time do you think you spend on the drums? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'd guess about 15 minutes a week. (laughs) So I was like, do you think you, you could be as good of a drummer as Travis Barker, who's doing five hours a day when you're doing 15 minutes a week? And he's like, no. I'm like, do you think you would be famous if you spent... Like that amount of time? No. I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah, And it's like, it, it it's all of it, right? We don't bullshit our kids. Yeah, We're honest, right? We're not yeah. like, yes, you absolutely, you, can, you are going to be a famous drummer. It's like,
0: <laughs> that's nope. Not, yeah.
1: not if you don't put the time in.
0: Yeah. I like the the quote, talent is an applied interest. Yeah. And so if you, and I want them to always recognize, if you see someone that's exceptionally good at something you know that they have spent hundreds of thousands of hours getting that good at it. Absolutely nobody is born being the best in the world at anything. So there's the like, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But when talent works hard, fucking look out, Mm -hmm. right? That's how you get Michael Jordan and how you get, you know, Tiger Woods and people that had, there's a base of genetic things you have to have, of course. But those are by no means, they're necessary but not sufficient.
1: Yeah you will never be a Olympic high jumper. That's just not, (laughs) not going to play in the the NBA.
0: I'm not even going to play in the WNBA. (laughs) Nobody even cares about the WNBA. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Um, So yes. And that it's not just like, Oh, like Travis Barker is just so good at drumming. It's that he should see that and go, I understand how he got to be that good at drumming. And that, I've said this to Atlas now because he's in this age. I was like, what you do right now is you sample as many things as you can. You try music and you try art and you try different sports and different things and you just find what you like enough that you are interested in enough to put enough time in to get good at it. Yeah. So you try a bunch of things and then talent is an applied interest. So you decide where you want to apply your interest yeah. to getting good at what you like. Find yeah. what you like. And that's all it is. That's the whole, was it Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours of practice yeah. to be an expert in something yeah yeah applied interest and so what makes people talented um the ability to tolerate probably a lot of boredom and repetition yeah the ability to do the same thing over and over and over and over again how many free throws did Michael Jordan throw in his front driveway yeah millions, millions. <laughs> he could just tolerate a level of repetition and boredom that most people just yeah couldn't
1: And that's just because, like, for him, it's not boredom. And so he puts the time in and just, like, does it and does it and does it. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing about, like, reading Travis Barker's book. It's not that he was, like, just playing the drum set the whole time. It's, like, he would just on his snare drum. Like, he started out in, like, the marching band kind of thing. And he would just, like, one drum just fucking hours and hours and hours and hours every day just drumming away, Mm -hmm. getting his hand working properly. You know, it's just, like, it's crazy. Yeah, That's what separates the... The elite from the regular, you know, their, their ability to just like put work in do the work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that in sort of on this theme of like, you have to enjoy the process. Yeah. You can't be like, I'm doing this so that I can win a gold medal. Yeah. And we've talked about that with like, just even staying engaged in CrossFit. Right. If you're like, I'm training to qualify for the CrossFit Games and you put your best effort forward for a whole year and you don't qualify. Yeah, Would you say that year was a failure or would you say it was a big success because you did the very best you could Yeah. even if the outcome wasn't there, the external validation wasn't there, you have to enjoy the internal validation of the process of, of your consistent effort and being better and improving and all that yeah. regardless of whether you become famous or the best in the world or win the gold medal or whatever. We,
1: we talked about it with the grit grind podcast as well. Right. It's like, it's amazing if you can do the 75 days in a row, but even if you only do 20 days in a row and then fall off the wake, and like you developed a lot in those 20 days. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just about like Mm -hmm. celebrating the journey and enjoying the process and like benefiting from the things that you're doing, the, Mm -hmm. the work you're putting in. Yeah, totally. It's not about the end goal.
0: Um, Okay, so there's, I think, like one more on our little list of notes that we made. Yeah, and this one, um, okay, so I'll, backstory of where it came from. I think when I lived in Nova Scotia, I had a boyfriend at the time who had a niece, and she would have been like seven, maybe. It was an imaginary boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no one before you. <laughs> and his sister had gone, had, her and her daughter had gone through this, like, sort of um, training program thing. To help kids recognize predator creepy behavior, mm-hmm. and which is good, equipping kids with um, the confidence to say no, and you know, feeling confident to report creepy behavior to the adults around them. Lots of you know, good skills that unfortunately kids need to have. I wish they didn't. Yeah. Um, but one of the things they had told the parents was: don't ever make your kids hug someone if they don't want to. Don't yeah. make your kids give someone a kiss if they don't want to. That if you're like give uncle whoever a hug. And they're like, no, you don't be like, give them a hug yeah. where you teach them that they don't get to like set the boundaries on their own personal space. Yeah. And I, so I would have been like 21 at the time. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that's a really fucked up thing that we do to kids where, yeah. you know, you like, maybe you went to someone's house for dinner and you're like, give them a kiss. And they're like, I don't want to give them a kiss. And you're like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then what do they learn? That their own personal boundaries don't matter at yeah. all. So that was something with our kids where I was like, yeah, if you don't want to hug someone, you don't have to. If you don't like someone hugging you, you can say no if you, um, and that I will fully support that. I won't ever make our kids let someone into their personal space if they don't want to. And because we have boys and I want to raise them to be like not frat boy creeps yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> that just think they're entitled to other people's personal space also yeah i think that it needs to be demonstrated in both directions For that sure. that they have to respect other people's boundaries and that they should expect that theirs are respected as well yeah um i remember grade one so going to pick up atlas outside his classroom and this little girl was hugging him really aggressively and i could tell he wasn't comfortable with it and she was just like hugging wouldn't let go and he was like ah. mm-hmm. And uh, the other parents are like, she has a crush on you. And I remember kind of getting a little bit aggressive and being like, no, like, and I remember saying kind of loudly so the other parents could hear. I was like, Atlas, if you don't like what she's doing to you right now, you can say no and you can push her away from you. You don't have to let her act like that towards you because, oh, it means she likes you. It means she has a crush on you. So what does that tell him? when he likes a girl, he gets to just go aggressively hug and kiss her, even if she doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, excuse me. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. So I remember getting like, you know, in that moment being like very aggressive that she needed to stop Yeah. and that he needed to be confident and telling her to stop and that w- what she was doing wasn't okay. For and sure. that it really grossed me out the way the other adults acted about it too. Yeah. That, it, that somehow it was supposed to be okay with him because it means she likes you. She has a crush on you. Yeah
1: it's Guys, it's stop it. it's super cute if they're both into it if they're just like two little kids hugging each other like that's super sweet and adorable and that's great but like you can't force that on people mm-hmm. you know if one of them's not comfortable with it you shouldn't be pushing it or encouraging it for sure yeah and I, I and in that same sort of realm we tell our kids like you teach other people how they can treat you right mm-hmm. by how you react and so if somebody's doing something that you're not you're not comfortable with or you don't like you don't have to let them do it. Like you got to stand up for yourself. You have to like teach them how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And Alice is a very sensitive kid, right? He, he is very accommodating and he's very like patient and to the point where he will self sacrifice not to make other people feel bad. Mm-hmm. And we've had to really like instill in him, like, no, like you have to stand up for yourself because if you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else will either. Right. So yeah, you have to tell people when they're doing things you don't like and, You know, I think it's, it's a very old school way where it's like, everybody should be friends and you should just, you know, everybody in your class should be your friend. It's like, no, No. like if you don't get along with somebody, that's fine. Treat them with respect, be courteous, but you don't have to be friends if you don't want to be friends, Mm -hmm. you know? It's a weird thing that we, we act like every kid should just get along with every other kid. That's just Mm -hmm. not going to happen.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I remember, this is a bit of an aside, one of their birthday parties and they were kind of little, like kindergartners. I don't even remember if it was Atlas or Dash. Um, we didn't invite the whole class.
1: Yeah, this was Atlas. Yeah, was
0: birth. it? Okay, it was Atlas. And because there were some of the kids that he didn't like, yeah. and it was his birthday, and he didn't want them there. They were aggressive and kind of mean and weren't good at sharing, and he didn't want them there. So we didn't invite them all. We just invent, we invited his friends. And one of the other moms got wind of it and like through the teacher emailed me and was like, and I kind of like CC the whole class or something I was like, I've heard that Atlas is having a birthday party this weekend and somehow our invitation was lost. So if you can just forward the details of when and where it is, we'll be there. And I replied back and I was like, nope, sorry. Like, yeah, and it's like, what a weird thing. To <laughs> and I just had kind of said, like, actually, sorry, like the type of party he's having doesn't accommodate an unlimited number of kids. And he has lots of friends like his cousins and his gym buddies and his gymnastics friends and his school friends we just weren't able to invite everybody you know sorry and I didn't back down on that I was like what a fucking weird thing to do to just think you're entitled to some kid's birthday party even just like financially like what if we were just like hey man like that wasn't the deal but you know to just impose yourself on someone else's thing I thought that was
1: so strange yeah that was a really weird thing yeah yeah I think yeah kids just need to have the freedom to decide for themselves like they can't be mean to other people but they no, can you decide to be who
0: kind but you don't have to be friends with everyone. that's right
1: you can you can decide who you want to spend your time with and atlas is like he's he's like me like he doesn't need a lot of like friends in his life He he does better with just a few really good ones instead of having like two dozen sort of like whatever sporadic friends mm-hmm. so you know if he prefers to spend more time by himself and whatever then that's great you know mm-hmm. he can still be kind and courteous and nice and everything but mm-hmm. you don't have to you don't have to hug the people you don't want to hug. You don't have to hang out with the people you don't want to hang out with. I just, I don't think we should force that on, mm-hmm. on kids at all.
0: There's a few other things I've read about teaching kids to recognize like grooming predator behavior. Yeah. One of them is an adult should never ask you to keep a secret. Mm. And that if. if oh,
1: yeah. Even just saying that, that sounds super weird. It
0: sounds super creepy. Right. But that's the beginning steps of like grooming behavior is like, hey, we're going to keep this just between us. Like, yeah. don't tell your mom and dad. You know? <laughs> and like, because you don't want to like you want them to stay innocent. You don't want them to know that creeps are out there, but creeps are out there. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, I just posted a thing the other day about a weightlifting coach in Nova Scotia just got charged with sexual assault of a teenage girl. And you're like, you know, shit happens and it's gross. And sometimes it's girls and sometimes it's boys too. Right. It's not a, it's not a gender-based thing that only applies to one or the other. And they just kind of have to have you know, you don't want them to know the full gross details when they're young, but to kind of have some red flags. Like, Hey, if an adult ever asks you to keep a secret, like you should tell me that immediately. Yeah. Or, you know, I've read some, um, like sexually abusive relationships will be like, um, if you tell your mom, like I'm going to hurt your mom or Mm -hmm. something, they'll like threaten the parents. Yeah. And so I've always just kind of said like, dude, have you seen me? Have you seen your dad? We're fucking strong. Nobody's going to hurt us. You Don't worry about that. You know? And it's like, that's not even true. I'm a huge wiener. But um, just to make him feel confident that yeah. like you don't ever have to like try to protect me or protect your dad or mm-hmm. take bear something that like, because somebody's threatening either one of us, like we're
1: fucking fine. You yeah. Know? Like, we'll be okay. I took some jujitsu classes. <laughs> good to go. <laughs> Battle pajamas. Battle I'm pajamas.
0: Ready. Yeah. I didn't know. I wish we didn't live in a world where kids have to be aware of that kind yeah. of stuff. But I also, you know, like I said, I want to raise our boys to be respectful of yeah. you know, women and relationships and boundaries and that they should expect that the same for them.
1: Yeah. I think our overall goal is like, you know, we're, we're raising them to be good people, right? We want mm-hmm. them to be good people, which means like caring for themselves, caring for other people, uh, standing up for themselves, um, being a good person to be around, right? Nobody wants to hang out with an annoying person. Um, but then also understanding that like, they're not perfect and you can always be working on yourself and improving who you are as a person. Humble. Humble. And then the the big thing is just trust, right? Yeah. Hardworking
0: and honest. Yeah.
1: We want them to be trustworthy. We want them to trust us. We just want to like build that relationship in a way that, you know, we're just, we're all good together. Mm
0: -hmm. And yeah, like I said, uh, I think pretty much this entire list that we jotted down was like, things we've heard, you know, even from some funny sources like, like Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil <laughs> whatever <laughs> books, other people, you know, insightful philosophical things where you just go like, Oh yeah, that resonated and like keeping that, putting yeah. it in the pocket and for sure. saving it for later. So
1: and back yeah. and back to what we started with, like, this is by no means a complete <laughs> list or the answer to anybody's problems. It's like, you got to figure that out for yourself. I think the the main thing that will help people in all of this is just remember that you can always learn more. Mm -hmm. You can like never get stagnant, never just decide this is who I am and this is how it's going to be. It's like, we can all improve. We can all get better, you know, be open to learning and trying new things.
0: Yep, I think that's it for sure. Okay. Awesome.
1: Kids 101.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See you in the next one.